From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. The great debate this week isn't just about the Chiefs taking on the Bengals. It's more specifically about what all of it could mean for Patrick Mahomes, what all of it could mean for Joe Burrow, and the raging debate over who's truly the number one quarterback now in the NFL. And one of our best, one of our brightest, frankly, somebody that can maul me with his pinky toe, has a take you've got to hear from Get Up. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Have you ever seen Harry Marcus Spears' pinky toe? I can't say that I have specifically, but I feel like I feel like my guy, like my guy's got big digits. I feel like there's going to be a big toe there. Whoa. <laughs> Let's just get into what we got to do. <laughs> what? <laughs> And you're welcome, America. All right. Uh, Marcus Spears, ESPN football analyst, was on Get Up and talking about the difference in not just Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, but the talent that surrounds him. And he had this to say about Patrick Mahomes and what he would do in Burrow's situation. Do y'all know if Patrick Mahomes had Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, he would throw for 7,000 yards a season? (laughs) Do are, are we are we seriously having this conversation? Look, Joe Burrow is phenomenal. All right, Joe Burrow is the guy that's making that thing go in Cincinnati. But let's not act like Patrick Mahomes ain't been the guy making the thing go in, in Kansas City. Let's not act like we haven't watched the first what six years of his career be the best first six years that we've ever seen a quarterback play individually at the level he's played at. Patrick Mahomes had Tyreek Hill and he also had Travis Kelsey and threw 50 touchdowns, was a league MVP 50. and won a Super Bowl. Harry, Harry's suddenly made an outfit change. We've got a whole outfit change. And when I see the sunglasses on, that this means how, This is how, how Swag will be looking at his, when he has his glasses on when he's <laughs> he looking down. This is how he be looking, right? I mean, big, big bro, Swagoo. Now, all I have to say is this right here. When I look at Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill that you brought up, I think we're all convinced that Travis Kelsey is going to be a Hall of Famer, right? Yeah. Fitz? Of course. Yeah. Do you look at Tyreek Hill and if he keeps doing what he's doing, he's going to be a Hall of Famer? I, right? would, I would think he's going to be in that conversation 100%. Yes. So we're talking about two Hall of Famers that Patrick Mahomes had. And we're saying that if Patrick Mahomes had Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase, he would throw for 7,000 yards? I don't think so. I don't. And and I get it. He threw for 50 touchdowns and over 5,000 yards in the year he won the MVP. But at some point, you do have to be balanced offensively too. All right? That's That's one thing we've learned about the game. You do have to be balanced. But I can't ignore the fact that he's had Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, two guys potentially that are going to be Hall of Famers. I can't, I can't dismiss and do them that way. And I'm just going to run the numbers by everybody, just, just so y'all know. Since 2018, when Patrick Mahomes became a starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, Travis Kelsey since then has had 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. 1,200 yards and five touchdowns, 1,400 yards, 11 touchdowns, 1,100 yards, nine touchdowns, 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns this year. Tyreek Hill, the four years that he played with Patrick Mahomes as a starting quarterback, 1,400 yards receiving and 12 touchdowns, 806 yards because he missed four games that season and seven touchdowns. 
1,200 yards, 15 touchdowns, 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns. I can't sit up here and dismiss Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and say that Patrick Mahomes is going to throw for 7,000 yards with the other guys when we're talking about potentially two Hall of Famers right here in these two. I can't do that. I think that's the wild part about it to me. Is It's not like there's been a lack of weapons for one side to the other in this argument. Like uh, the, the concept that you would put – uh, you, you'd suddenly put Patrick Mahomes into Joe Burrow's system. Also, okay, fine, like this is where it all gets really weird. Like uh, if we were doing that, are we suddenly mm-hmm. putting him in that system from day one? Was there an Andy Reid? Was there an Alex Smith to, to help him You know, learn how to become the best pro he could be? Like that's what becomes weird in these situations when you try and compare one side to the other. I mean, do we really presume that Joe Burrow under the tutelage of one Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, wouldn't also be doing lights out things if that was what he was asked to be doing? Like I, I, all of this presumption takes away so much of the benefit of the doubt that I think Joe Burrow has earned, and it gives even more benefit of the doubt to Mahomes, which I don't understand. Like, no, but it is possible to come in and say Patrick Mahomes is absolutely incredible, and Patrick Mahomes is everything you could ever want in a quarterback. And also, mm-hmm. right now, today, Joe Burrow might be the, the the better player. I mean, I don't see why that's like some revolutionary hot take. Well, here, here's my thing, because right now at this moment, I honestly believe that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the National Football League. And I'm going to go on record saying this again. If Joe Burrow wins this game this weekend and wins a Super Bowl, now that's a different conversation because he's had the early success. He would have played in two straight AFC Championship games, two straight Super Bowl appearances. And if he wins one, now he has the same amount of rings as Patrick Mahomes. Now, granted, Joe Burrow... Didn't get a chance to win MVP this year. But Fitz, remember when I was on first take a few, a few weeks ago and I was looking forward to the Josh Allen and the Joe Burrow matchup because I thought that game could have put Joe Burrow in the light of MVP discussion. Yep. yep. That game hurt him because Joe Burrow would have had an argument. Now, don't get me wrong. and I don't want people to take this out of context. Uh, context. Patrick Mahomes has been phenomenal this year and he's been able to do it without, without – Tyreek Hill and he's learned how to read defenses even more learn how to diversify the football to all of his weapons but you tell me Joe Burrow beats Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen in in one season and has good games that he wouldn't be considered for MVP at that after that game would have been played yeah because he was on his way to put up big numbers trust me how that how that quarter and you know and some change went he was on the way to put up some big numbers. Well, and, and Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. For a job you'll love, visit Progressive.com slash careers. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Uh, Evan, our producer, typed on the screen, we've seen teams trying to find the next Mahomes like the Jets did with Wilson. Is it easier for teams to fr- try and find the next Burrow? I would answer that, that question very loudly and say part of what makes this discussion so easily e- so interesting is that Neither of them are easy to find. If you want to find the next Mahomes, you need to find somebody that can make any playground play off schedule while also (laughs) making the plays that are called at the right time. Somebody that has tremendous football IQ but can also do anything in any situation to save the offense. That's almost impossible to find. If you want to find the next Burrow, you need to find the person that's willing to stand in the pocket, get absolutely murdered while he does it, in the process of getting murdered, 
throws a football just warming up while he's dilly-dallying, doing 360s, and has that it factor we talked about the other day with one of our guests, Lewis Riddick, that, that I don't think many human beings in the world have. So, like, trying to find either of these guys is like finding a needle in a well, haystack. That, well, that's the funny part because I would say this. I think it's harder to find a guy play the quarterback position like Patrick Mahomes. I think it's not hard to find a guy that played a quarterback position like Joe Burrow, but the thing that separates Joe Burrow from everyone else is that he does have that it factor. And that's one of the things we touched on with one of the coaches on our, on our show recently is that, uh, um, excuse me, Lewis Riddick, is that you can't coach the it factor. Dude, dude, like- you can't coach being a stone-cold killer when you step out there on that football field. You can't coach it. You can't sit up here and say, Listen, how can we get my quarterback to have the mindset of that quarterback? It doesn't work like that, ladies and gentlemen. The mindset that Joe Burrow has is something that you cannot coach. And both of these young men, Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, are phenomenal. And they're going to be hard to mimic. But if you're an organization, I really do think finding a Patrick Mahomes is a needle in a haystack. I think you're more so need to lean towards trying to find a guy like Joe Burrow. I just don't know if his mindset and his mental is going to be like Joe Burrow. You you can find guys that might look like Joe Burrow, that might play stylistically similar to Joe Burrow, but like what you were just saying, I mean, and you know this better than anybody, not every wide receiver is built the same, right? Like you either got Correct. swagger or you don't have swagger. I can put on a Captain America costume and run out in the street. Doesn't mean you want me saving crime. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not Captain America. There's a sport, spot where Joe Burrow has that extra it factor. Like he, he's not just wearing the outfit. He doesn't just look like a superhero. He plays like a superhero. And what he's able to do, especially when they have had offensive line deficiencies, I think is every bit as, oh my God, draw, draw, jaw dropping. How the hell did that just happen? Is what we've seen Mahomes do. I think, no. you know, th- this isn't about one being, you know, we don't have to downplay one for the other to, to stand out and be excellent. Now, I'm, I want to say this really quick. Now, a lot of people may say you look at the Cincinnati Bengals and, you know, they have Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. And Boyd and Higgins were second-round draft picks. Jamar Chase was a first-round draft pick. But we got to understand that a lot of guys over there for the Kansas City Chiefs, they're second-rounders, right, as well. And you have Kadarius Tony, who they traded for as a first-rounder. We got to keep in mind that how Andy Reid drafts wide receivers, he drafts those guys to fit his offense and his style. So I just wanted to make sure I put that out there. Yeah, 100%. And it speaks to the great uh, the great coaching that Andy Reid has given, which is a huge part of why I think we talk about Mahomes the way that we do. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts for do-it-right deals. Save two bucks instantly on Xerox OE antifreeze and coolant. Get the exact approved coolant formulations for domestic, Asian, and European vehicles at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. The Tom Brady sequel is currently being written, but everybody's talking about the wrong quarterback to star in it. We'll explain why next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Jason Fitz and Harry Douglas are Fitz and Harry. I'm scared of Howard the Duck, so... Wait, 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 wait. Howard the Duck is scared of? Yes. Howard the Duck? Why, why would you possibly be scared of an adorable little huggable duck with a big backside? 
Because, man, I seen this, like, duck scary movie when I was a kid. And it was, I, all I can remember is it was, the duck was, like, evil. And it was, like, a truck, a big truck that the duck was in. And I used to have nightmares about it. So I never liked ducks from that point on. Can I say this first, though? We went to the University of Oregon this year, ladies and gentlemen, and we had Countdown to College Game Day, College Game Day there, which I'm a part of, and I actually <laughs> held the duck, and I can't tell y'all how nervous I was, but I was like, you know what? I got to try to get over this fear, but I actually held the duck, so I'm, I'm working towards, you know, being better. I'm I just love that the guys ended it with Duck Hunt. That is really well well done. Uh, have you ever been? Because <laughs> I mean, days. when you're when you're NFL rich, have you ever been to Australia? Uh, like, have you ever been in, and held a koala? No, I, have, I haven't been to Australia. Okay, so it's on I, my list though. I, I went to Australia. We were playing shows there. I went to Australia. Can't and, hide that money. Uh, no, no, you know, like sh- dirty rich. So I'm over <laughs> in Australia, and uh, I went to this reserve, like where you get to hang out and you can hold a koala. And I found out that maybe they're my spirit animals because uh, the eucalyptus that they give koalas is actually yes. to keep them stoned because they're really aggressive. So the eucalyptus actually just like basically like just wipes it out. It's like it's like you know drooling level of. So they have to give it eucalyptus every X amount of minutes so that it oh. stays like it stays dazed and confused while you hold it. So it's like the most lovable, cuddleable thing, but it's because it's like baked out of its mind. So it's the koala <laughs> fact. You didn't know you needed it. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Devin's just shaking his head. Uh, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Harry's afraid of a uh, uh, large backside duck. Uh, but I'm taking uh, steps until the – well, I mean, I held the duck, but I didn't – I didn't want to be too close to the big mascot duck either, okay. though. So, oh, you, that makes sense. You were scared I held of the, the real duck, duck, but I didn't really want to be around the the big duck. Okay, so the real ducks good, fake ducks bad. All right, I, I've got all of this. Uh, Evan, do you think we could book the <laughs> duck from Oregon to come on the show sometime and just uh, hang out with us? Like, yeah, I think he did a This Is Sports Center commercial. So yeah. somebody around here's got to have a number for him. Yeah, l- let's wow. just bring him in. Like next time, uh, next time Harry's up here wow. at Connecticut Live, we'll bring him in live in studio as a guest. And you wonder why I antagonize you guys in group text messages. Okay. By the way, if you haven't uh, listened to our podcast after the show, okay, guys. Uh, you should scatterbrain. Uh, we, we told you a lot about our group uh, text yesterday. So <laughs> there's a huge story right now involving Tom Brady, uh, but not the one that you think. Like there's a new version of the Tom Brady rookie movie being made. Now let me be clear because nuance gets lost a lot of times in this conversation. I'm not saying the new Tom Brady. I'm saying that if Disney made a movie of the rookie season of Tom Brady and, you know, the fact that you've got this uh, late-round draft pick that suddenly the superstar quarterback that was paid a ton of money gets hurt and you end up with Tom Brady getting in the game and now all of a sudden he's got to go out with this great defense and this really good team around him and he's got to go out and he's got to try and win them a Super Bowl. Like, it's a Disney movie made for the ages. Well, we're getting one right now. We're getting the sequel to it. Now, sequels, like all sequels, are never as good as the original. So we always know that the sequel's going to let you down a little bit. And maybe this is like the knockoff version of it, like the blue light special version of it. I can't say that Brock Purdy 
is Tom Brady, but you got to hear me out, Harry. When you talk about the, the story, you got the high draft pick that everybody thinks is going to get the opportunity to come in and play. You've got the expectations, but you've also got a great coach with a, a really smart defensive football team that can win with their quarterback around them, simply insulating that quarterback to be great. It feels like what we're seeing right now from Brock Purdy is the sequel to Tom Brady, the rookie season. I don't agree. Okay. Okay. Good. All right. Good. I'm just joking with you. I agree. <laughs> I agree with you 100%, bro. Um, but I think the thing about Tom Brady, when we when we look at him and when he became a starting quarterback for the New England Patriots, Tom Brady, just like Brock Purdy, had a defense surrounded by him. Tom Brady at that time was a manager, managing games, and rightfully so, he did a hell of a job at doing it and was able to be successful and you know win Super Bowls. And at this moment now, he has seven. And to the point where Bill Belichick said, you know what? We're not going back to our starting quarterback that we had. We're going to stick with Tom Brady and this young phenom that we think we have. We think we have something here. And I think we're kind of seeing some of the same things play out with the San Francisco 49ers. Brock Purdy, 7-0 since becoming a starter, five games in the regular season, the two in the playoffs. But then you look how this team rallies around him. A lot of guys on that, well, most guys uh, on the San Francisco 49ers, they believe in him 100%. And he's been able to make throws, and Kyle Shanahan has been able to believe in him and call certain things without holding so much of a leash on him like we've seen him do with Jimmy Garoppolo or even Trey Lance early on this season when he started playing and, be- and became a starting quarterback. So those are all, all the things that I just mentioned are trending in the direction of Brock Purdy becoming the quarterback in 2023 when they come back. Now, granted, I think him and Trey Lance are going to fight it out because – the San Francisco 49ers did move up um, a lot of spots to number three and gave up a lot of picks to draft Trey Lance. But this team, when you're built constructionally the way the 49ers are, which a lot of guys in your late draft round picks are, are home runs, I think you can afford to miss on your 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 third third overall draft pick in Trey Lance. And Brock Purdy can go in there and be successful. So it, I, it's the same story for me. Yeah, and there's there's another commonality in its leadership. Like mm-hmm. I uh, I helped host the Man in the Arena reaction show, and if you never watched it, it's out on ESPN Plus, and it really chronicles all of the Super Bowl years uh, for Tom Brady. And two things that really stood out to me: one, Bill Belichick had the grapefruits to know that he needed to make a permanent change at quarterback, right? And and much like we keep talking about the draft capital invested in Trey Lance, there was actual monetary capital at a historic level at the time invested in Drew Bledsoe. So the decision to move on from QB1 was not an easy one, and it did not come without consequence. So I think it takes a coach that's really confident in who they are and where the organization is going. Check mark on that. That's obviously something Shanahan shares. But the other thing, too, is there was a great story in that documentary about uh, the the Super Bowl the first year, and I forget which one of the leaders, but one of the, the veteran defensive leaders came up to Tom in the tunnel before the Super Bowl. He was jumping up and down all hyped, came up to him, and he, he sort of grabbed him by the shoulders, and he said, I don't need that. I don't need this version of you. I just need you today to be yourself. And Tom talked a lot about being able to hear that, listen to that, and understand to take that that veteran leadership from somebody. The 49ers have a bunch of guys on that team that are capable of being that person. You know, as much as we talk about the quarterback position all the time, they've got dudes all over that roster that can look at Brock Purdy and say, hey, you don't have to be Superman. That's my job right now. And I think that's one of the luxuries that they have in just asking him to settle down and play quarterback. They don't need him to do anything other than that. And that's a rarity in today's game. Right. And just make the plays when the plays present themselves. Right. 
This team was stalling from an offensive standpoint. They had to go 91 yards to get a touchdown. What's the play that sparked in Beduso? Being able to roll to his left side uh, of the football field, flip his hips and throw a ball to the middle of the football field to, to, to George Kittle, and Kittle make that play. What do they need him to do? When you're trying to ice the game and you have third and short and you got Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield lined up as a wide receiver and he's coming on a quick slant, basically trying to use a uh, set the, the defender up for a pick play and you make that throw when the, when the pitcher isn't so you know open and it's cloudy a little bit. That's when you need Brock Purdy to be Brock Purdy. Make the plays that you're supposed to make. Don't try to do too much. And everyone else around you, your playmakers, the defensive line, the secondary, Hufunga, the linebackers, those guys are going to be able to back you up. And great things can happen for the 49ers as a team because you have a young guy not trying to do too much, but understanding his role fits. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of things that, that a lot of time people in life don't understand their roles. Right. And it kind of disarray. It's a lot of things that in disarray because they, they, they don't understand what their role is. Brock Purdy understands his role and everyone else on the San Francisco 49ers. And now they get to fight it out against the Philadelphia Eagles for the NFC championship game. That's a brilliant point because coming up, we're going to talk to somebody I listened to. I sat in the room while he gave an entire company a speech about how to make sure that everybody knows their roles and they're empowered by them. I've never forgotten that speech, and it makes me think about this 49ers team. We'll ask a former NFL coach how you get a young quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. It's fun for a little bit, but it's more once you get in the locker room, you're just, all right, now let's move on to the next one. They were number one in several categories throughout the regular season, and they displayed why they were the number one defense tonight. The biggest thing in playoff football is just to get the win, however however you can, by any means necessary. And I mean, we knew we had to come out and play great football uh, against a great Dallas team. That's a great football team. We, we got a big game this week, and that's not our ultimate goal either. Harry Douglas just said it. Sometimes what you need guys to do is simply just do their jobs. But that's easier said than done, especially when you get into the playoffs. So how do you manage that process? It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Fitz and Harry brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Our Wolfpack join uh, is grows by one, I should say, as we're joined now by Herm Edwards, ESPN NFL analyst, Coach, I just said this as we went to commercial. First time I ever met you um, was down in Nashville, and you were giving a, a a talk to a company. And the crux of your talk, I was I was just a guy with the podcast and a band at the time. And I watched side stage while you mesmerized a crowd talking about how you make every single person on a team feel valued and how you make sure everybody understands their job clearly and concisely. And it, it was yeah. an incredible moment to watch you speak, and I, I thought about that with the 49ers because we're seeing a bunch of guys simply do that around Brock Purdy. How do you manage a young quarterback that's in unprecedented situations like this when everybody around them is so good but also has such high expectations? Well, I think he, he understands how the process works. And in, 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 on an interview after a game, he actually said it. He says, look, I just need to do my job. And just don't get over, you know, don't try to do anybody else's. And, and Harry mentions it, you know, do your job, but I also say this, do your job well. 
<laughs> says, mm-hmm. Make sure you do it well. Uh, the details of your job is critical, especially in playoff competition, because now you get to the point where you can imagine this. You've been waiting for this moment during the offseason to get here. Most teams now have fallen by the wayside, whether through the seasons uh, or through the playoff competition. There are four teams left. When this weekend is over, there will be two teams left, and they will be playing for the world championship. And that is something you strive for as a team, as an organization. Uh, your personal goals probably as a player is, is, as well as to be in this game. Uh, and there's nothing like this game. My vivid, remember, my vivid experience with this game, when we played the Dallas Cowboys at home in the championship game, it's the loudest. It's the loudest I've ever walked into a stadium. It's louder than the Super Bowl, believe it or not. Because the Super Bowl is a little bit muffed, right? There's no home field advantage, really. But when you play a championship game at home and you get introduced, oh, it's unbelievable feeling when you walk into that stadium. Coach, I could feel it. I could feel it in your mm-hmm. voice right now. That's why I love having you. you come on, Coach. I could feel it right now right, in your voice, man. Harry, I'm telling you, man, and I said it, and this happened in 1980. It was the loudest that I've ever witnessed as a player in a stadium, man. And you just, you just sat there and you went, wow. We had so much energy in that stadium, Cowboys didn't have a chance. They didn't have a chance. It wasn't even fair. It wasn't a fair fight. Wow, I love that. Now, Coach, I got to ask you about, you know, this 49ers defense and you do look yeah. at the balance that the Philadelphia Eagles have, rushing the football and passing the football. But in particular, you talk about a quarterback in Jalen Hurts being a dual-threat guy. And I watched this game from 2021 last night twice. And Jalen Hurts was able to have 10 rushes for 82 yards and a touchdown in that game. Granted, he has a year under more experience under his belt now. How do the 49ers defend Jalen Hurts knowing that he's not just a passer but also a dynamic runner? Well, he, he balances the playing field for you. He makes it 11-on-11 football with the running quarterback. You, you just balance the field. You, you just said, okay, we run RPOs. What are you going to do to stop it? The Giants had no answer for it. They're still trying to figure it out. What do, you, what do you do to stop it? Do you bring the safety out of the middle of the defense when he starts that RPO process going to the side? And if you do, that's great. But understand this. If he pulls it and he throws it down the middle of the field, no one's at home. That's the problem. He balances the field. He makes it 11-on-11 football. 49ers are good enough, though, defensively to do some things. Those linebackers, you talk about run, hit, and shed blocks. That one guy, that 54 fella, woo-wee. Boy, he's really good. They are a fast defense. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, they run from sideline to sideline. This is going to be a great matchup, guys, of, of really two good defenses. I mean, two good defenses that can play, man. And, you know, this last game they played against Dallas, Dallas was hanging in there, too. But remember, this game between Dallas and San Francisco, going in the third quarter, man, it was 9-6. Nine to, nine to six. This was not getting into the 20s. It'll be interesting how this game appears early, early. And it's funny that you bring up that both of these teams have great defenses because also in that game that I watched from last year, Coach, the defensive line of the Philadelphia Eagles, the first play of the game, Javon Hargrave, mm. tackle for loss, mm. TFL, in the backfield. Mm. 
How do you think the yeah. San Francisco 49ers should approach the defensive line of the Philadelphia Eagles in this matchup? Well, and, 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 and there lies the problem. You know, now they got a good offensive line as well. You know, how they run the ball and manage the run, and, and, and Shanahan does a great job. You know, when you think about the game that they just left with the Cowboys, they never gave up on the run, right? It was 9-6. to six. He didn't abandon the run. Why? He doesn't want to expose the quarterback. Keep him in his comfort zone. That's the whole key. Just keep running, and eventually they'll crack, and eventually the Dallas Cowboys cracked. And they started making some runs. Then off those runs, the play-action pass became, you know, big. Uh, we, we know what happened, right? Uh, you know, the kettle goes down there and catches the one-hander off his face mask. It bounced around three times, and <laughs> he ends up catching it and, and running off with it, right, and making a big game. But the one thing that the San Francisco 49ers will not do, they will not abandon their ability to run the football. Coach, all I know is if you keep coming on spitting this kind of fire, I'm going to get myself hurt. I'm 5'9", 165, about to run through walls for you, brother. Thanks for hanging out with us, Coach. We appreciate your time. Thanks for the insight. Appreciate both of you guys. That's Herm Edwards, ESPN NFL. I love Anna's. having Coach I'm, I'm telling on, you, HD, like he starts talking. I get all the goosebumps. I'm like, let's go. Put me in pads. Like I'd have to go to like a Pop Warner team, like his most sixth grade, seventh grade guys bigger than me at this point. Put on them Pop Warner pads. I'm going to get out there and start flying at the walls. Like, let's go. Man, this, this, in, his energy, his insight, his knowledge, it's all infectious. And you love to talk to him uh, because he's going to tell you things to make you smarter and try to help you understand this game at a, at a, at a high level. But he's also going to bring that energy to make you feel a certain way. You're going to have this little tingling in your body wanting you to go out there and suit up. You might be a truck driver. You might be a nurse. Hell, you might want to go suit up because Coach in his energy is so infectious. Yeah, well, he's going to teach us about the games. We're going to try and teach you about the offseason coming up because one NFL team, their season is done, and it just got complicated for them. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. and Harry, the podcast. Didn't get it done, so congratulations to Philly. They get to move on, and unfortunately, we don't. Jones takes it. He looks, he fires. It's intercepted. It's picked off. It's James Bradbury, the former giant. We just didn't didn't execute well enough early on. Didn't score points. Turnover was critical. I feel like crap. I mean, that's as honest as you can be. The season is over for the Giants, but the hard work may have just begun as they try and figure out how to keep two superstars that have been incredibly important to their success this year. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. HD out there dancing. You can watch us in the ESPN app. You're wearing that, you're wearing that fancy, fancy hoodie, that little zip-up. like Man, that's Devin playing these tunes, man, all there by Young Jeezy. 
See, when you when, when you in the club down here in Atlanta and that song come on, man, you just in a different mode, Fitz. What do you know about you Jeezy, diff- Fitz? What do you know about you Jeezy? You in a different mode, man. I different feel mode. like I am being basically like Harry's begging me to come down and go to the club with him and wait till this comes on and then I can just scream, Young you know Jeezy! I think it's what? time for story time really quick. Story oh, time, time. We got really story quick, time. Okay. Oh, look at story, this. We got story, story time. time really quick. Story time. Okay, we got story time. Oh, there we go. Sit down. Listen. This so is story time with Fitz and Harry. Don't cut off the voice. Don't jump the gun. I'm sorry, I dropped the gun a little bit. So, ladies and gentlemen, 2003 is when I graduated high school and I was going up to the University of Louisville, right? And it's before Young Jeezy. And those of you who don't know Young Jeezy as a rap artist, big here in Atlanta. Young Jeezy wasn't hot then, right? He wasn't a big name amongst the world at that point. Down here in Atlanta, he was. So I took a lot of his music up to Louisville. And a lot of people at the time was like, oh, my gosh, who is that? That's terrible. Ew. Take that back. Yucky. And I said, just just, just relax. You're hanging out so, with a lot of, like, really, like, basic white sorority girls or something? Like, what are we doing there? Like, uh, yucky. Now, that's, back in the, that's back in the time. When I was a bad boy now. Okay, you know what okay, I'm saying? Okay, okay. I wouldn't marry Harry like I would now. I was a bad mammal jammer. They, I was a bad boy at that I'm time. I'm less fit. and less comfortable what? that I brought that up. I'm bad, sorry. I was yucky. a bad boy. I feel yucky about it. Go ahead. So, young Jeezy. <laughs> yucky. And so, a lot of people was basically pooping on, on, on my young Jeezy music I had brought up there. The next thing you know. Young Jeezy gets hot. Everybody, oh, Jeezy, Jeezy, Jeezy. I told him, all, shut up. Be quiet. Dude. You didn't want to hear it when I tried to play it for you. Be quiet and shut up. Okay, well, you are an Atlanta legend. Young Jeezy's an Atlanta legend. Can you get yeah. Young Jeezy on our show? I mean, I'm I can just, see what I can work out. I can see oh, what look I can at work that. out. Look at that. Let's like, I, I HD, when I say committed, we'll, we'll be in the Let's middle of commercials. And Harry Douglas, like, working the phone. Like, it's Rolodex. He's got, like, he's Devin, got. Play that, play that music again we came go, into, go, Devin. Go, play go, it one go. more time for us. Yeah, give us that. Yeah. Let yeah. me see your fits. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 There yes. you go. There you yes. go. Fitz, ride yes. the motorcycle, ladies okay. and gentlemen. Okay. <laughs> what are you doing now? <laughs> I'm only making America less comfortable as I scream yes into a microphone. Oh. It's Fitz but and the, fa- the famous, the famous line in that song that we're that, that we're hearing the uh, instrumental to is "Hot Cheetos with a little snack on." Hot Cheetos, baby. I I'm bought some hot Cheetos for my kids. I learned a very valuable lesson in the car with Harry Douglas. Uh, in the car in LA, I learned that the only thing I can do when he controls the music is sing do 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 do. I can't sing any other lyrics. <laughs> I just want to be very clear: no lyrics from me. It's I just, just want to point out. I just want to point out that we can't play commercial music for TV. So when you guys were dancing, it's just you're just dancing to nothing. So oh, that's amazing! Great TV. Oh, wow. That is. It's okay because I'm gonna take the. I'm gonna get y'all to clip the video off, and I'm just gonna add the music to the video. Okay. All right. This yeah. is this is what happens at this and, point. And shout out to Renee. You know, one of our producers, Renee, actually had Young Jeezy in studio at Seaport. And I was actually there that day and on the same flight back home with Young Jeezy, too. I, I remember first that class? day. You were in first he just, class? You guys uh, hanging out first course. class? Come on now. Okay. Come on. Just, first class. Is that a question? Well, first class. I mean, I'm Come just on now. Bougie. First class. Bougie. You know, Harry's like when, when Harry Douglas sits in first class, does he just pop his feet up and immediately order some uh, some tequila? Or Be quiet, bro. Okay. You were sitting there beside me You're in right, first was, class, was, too. So what are you talking about? <laughs> ah. Mm, 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 mm. First class. Oh, my God. You know what? Shout out to Jack Harlow and his people, too. Y'all know I'm a Louisville guy, so 
we're gonna throw those. Is Jack Harlow on the show? Uh, I know his. I know his manager. I, I, I can shoot him a text and see if he can come on the show at some point. You know the Rolodex. I keep trying to tell y'all, man. The Rolodex is remarkable. Let, let's let's. Uh, the Rolodex let's, is long. Let's Makes little, my job easy. Let's get a little. Uh, let's get a little Jack Harlow on the show. That'd be awesome. See if he'll come on this thing. Okay. And talk what about are we doing here? First class. Uh, you know what? Uh, we were supposed <laughs> to talk about the Giants here, but we're just gonna have to wait a sometimes, second. Sometimes we go off the rails, man. That's just what it's like happens. Uh, bring us back on the rails, RJ in Alaska. You guys can always call to chime in. Triple Eight. Say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. RJ, just save me from having to dance anymore what you got oh i'm here what you got brother hello 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 yes. rj in alaska in hey, which i love um, alaska um, so what i'm gonna tell you what right now i'm a detroit lion fan but with brock purdy um that dude you ride that cat to the wheels fall off you don't you don't get rid of that until he messes up that dude he is doing a great job he's doing fantastic whoever you got to trade next year you trade him I don't care if it's Trey Lance. I don't care if it's Garoppolo. You get who you get for him. But, uh, thanks for the call, RJ. I don't think you're wrong. I mean, Garoppolo has a, a contract that doesn't allow him to be franchised or kept in any way. So he is going to be an correct. open free agent. Garoppolo will not be back no matter what next year. He will go play somewhere else. Uh, but uh, there is a question about what to do with Trey Lance. And, you know, I, I think, Harry, even the conversation of let's have him compete for it. No, that's done. Like that, that's done. This, this has got to be Purdy's job, right? Well, no, no, no. You can't, you can't do that. You can't have a guy that you drafted third overall and don't give him an opportunity to compete. Now, that, if you plan on trading him, then that eliminates that. But if you still think he has a chance, then you got to let him compete. Yeah, I think you got to trade him out of there. Just like, uh, again, it's reminiscent of Bledsoe being shipped off to Buffalo uh, so that they could make room for Brady. I, this feels like it's Brock Purdy's team moving forward. We'll keep taking your calls, Triple Eight, say ES Plaint PN, 888-729-3776 plus. One team, offseason battles coming up next. Fitz and Harry. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.